Thank you. Romans chapter 16 in your Bibles this morning. Romans chapter 16. For those of you who have been along with us for the last couple of years, we're wrapping up the book of Romans. For those of you who are newer, just to give you a little context, and we're looking at the last several verses of Romans chapter 16, which godly men have called a doxology. It's not necessarily a song as we would know it. I don't know that there's much historic proof that any doxology, whether it was written by Peter or Jude or Paul, two different ones in this book, one at the end of the doctrinal portion in chapter 11 and one at the end of the practical portion here in chapter 16, were ever put to a tune. But these are words that are just Glorious words spoken of God. In relationship to the context of the book of Romans, Paul's discussed for us a glorious gospel that begins with God in chapters 1 through 11, and this gospel ends with God in chapters 12 to 16. But the proof that this gospel exists is in the changed lives of God's people who know him. We have no gospel unless we have a gospel that's changed us and compels us by God's grace to live our lives in Christ's likeness and towards that goal. We stated last week that Paul speaks of a singular goal here in these final few verses. And that goal is to give glory to God. And that certainly is our unique singular goal as Christians, isn't it? If you know the Lord and you're walking with him, it becomes your singular goal to bring glory to God. Whether therefore we eat or drink or whatever we do, bring all, do all things to the glory of God. We studied last week that that glory is altered when sin came into the world. Man was separated from the ability to glorify God by sin. God decided to send his own glory in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. To live a perfect life, to die a sufficient death, to be buried, to be resurrected, to ascend, to give us the opportunity to look to him who is the express image of the glory of God for our own salvation so that when we own the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation, when we repent from our sins and place our faith in him alone, that glory is restored in Jesus Christ. Man doesn't have his own ability to please God, but in Jesus Christ, we please him because he is in us and he's given us the position of his own righteousness, his own righteous standing before the Father is ours, and then he gives us the ability to live out that righteousness every day, gradually. So all glory is given to God through Jesus Christ when we know him and by how we're found living for him. As I said last week, there's no unique, specific main verb in this final word of glory that Paul gives to God for the gospel. But there are multiple phrases here that we want to walk through and explain as we conclude this book. Last week, we we found out that Glory is to be given to God because he is able to strengthen us through the gospel. He is able to strengthen us 
in the gospel. Now, I want to take each one of these phrases, and I'll give a statement that supports the truth of each one of these phrases, why God gets the glory through the gospel. But I want to ask a unique, simple question with each one of these phrases as well. If God has given us, or since God has given us the ability to glorify him through knowing Christ, through surrendering our hearts and lives to the gospel, then the same way in which Paul gives glory to God here through Jesus Christ, when we own Christ, we are able in Christ to give the same glory back to God that Christ did through the gospel. We'll try to simplify that as we go along. But since God is able to strengthen us and establish us in our walk with Christ, I want to ask you the question, in Christ, are you seeking to strengthen and establish another believer in the same way? Primarily at Grace Church of Mentor, we try to do that through disciple-making relationships. Strengthening each other and knowing and doing the will of God in the Word of God. God is able, God is able to strengthen you to help establish somebody else in spiritual maturity. Look with me, if you will, again at this text, beginning in verse 25. Now unto him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested by the scriptures and the prophets. According to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. So let's go back through, phrase by phrase. God is able to strengthen us in the gospel. Are we strengthening others in the same. The gospel came to be known through preaching. There's only two times in the book of Romans where Paul uses this word, preaching. We know that Paul also says, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. God was pleased to have the gospel proclaimed, to have it known audibly. God has made through the preaching of the gospel an intellectual appeal to your heart and to my heart to be born again. God has given throughout human history people to proclaim the gospel so that it can be heard, so that our minds might be convicted, if you will. Can you remember who spoke the gospel to you? Can you remember through the voice of that person who was an agent of God at that time who was speaking the facts of the gospel to you, maybe proclaiming the facts of the gospel to you when your heart was convicted. It was convicted. Well, God enables. God enables. And all glory goes to God as he enables people to speak or to preach 
the gospel. Paul says here in says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, his initial approach to the Corinthian believers. He said, I came to you not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I came not to flatter you with great eloquent words. He said, I came to you preaching Christ and him crucified. That's it. American evangelicalism broadly has, has found ways to amass to themselves uh, hundreds and thousands of followers. But Paul says here, all glory goes to God when God enables us to preach His gospel, to speak His gospel, so that the minds of men and women and children would comprehend it, would comprehend it. And it's a, indeed a simple yet exclusive and divine message. So God enables, and glory go to God, goes to God as we're strengthened in the gospel and we're able to strengthen others in the gospel. Glory goes to God as he has enabled preachers throughout the centuries of New Testament church existence to proclaim the gospel. And then preachers in our own lives, if you will, Sunday school teachers, parents, friends in the community, to speak, proclaim the gospel. And all glory goes to God for that enablement for those souls to do that. But he says something here in the latter part of verse 25 and the first part of verse 26, all glory goes to God because the gospel has been understood. It's not just been heard, but it's been understood. We've read these verses last week and this week, and it seems to me that there seems to be something that's become more clear about the gospel over time. According to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested. And by the scriptures, by the word of God, and by the prophets, according, and by the prophets, uh, this, this, this manifestation, this revelation, this, this gospel has been objectified, if you will, so that it can be understood. That which was once a secret is now clear. And, and what do we know from the book of Romans was the mystery that's now been made clear. The mystery that's been made clear according to the context of the book of Romans is simply this. The gospel was not merely and exclusively for the Jewish people. The gospel has been made available through the hearing and understanding and enablement of God for all tongues, all tribes, all nations. And God enables that understanding. Without God enabling, God gets no glory. But any success that we might have in speaking and or helping people understand the content of the gospel is only success that's granted by God himself.
God desires his gospel not just to be intellectually audibly heard and intellectually discerned, but he desires our hearts to understand. No longer a mystery for us, but clearly understanding for all of us that Jesus Christ came into the world, he's enfleshed so that he could save sinners of whom we are chief. Lord Jesus Christ came into the world not to die for merely our sins. 1 John 2, 2 and 3, but the sins of the whole world. God desires all men to understand the gospel, both Jew and Gentile. No more separation by race or creed. No more division in personal or corporate worship. All worship in spirit and truth in the name of Christ. The mystery revealed demonstrates both the strong and the weak as one, having received themselves with open arms what they have understood in their minds, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The impartiality of God is is visibly enjoyed by the people of God every time we gather together to worship. The mystery is now clear seated with us this morning are both Jew and Gentile who have not just intellectually discerned, but in their hearts, they've known. They've known. Because of this, the unity, if you want to write in the cross-reference of your uh, margin of your Bible here, Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, the, the unity that has been granted to us by the Spirit of God. We are enabled by God to maintenance that unity in the context of our church community. And we're compelled by God's grace to maintenance that unity. Why? Because He is the one who's enabled us to discern, to understand, to own. And that's a great, great treasure to protect. We are one. We are unified in that gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This unity is maintenanced in simple and plain focus on Christ and Christ alone. For our salvation, all religiosity aside, all human works and human philanthropy aside, unity is found in the singular and simple understanding that all of us can only be saved when we give all of ourselves to all of him. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time that you personally have helped someone understand the gospel? You may have spoken it as it was spoken to you, but when's the last time you went beyond speaking the gospel to someone to helping them understand it? Paul said the motivation of his life was to persuade men to know To persuade, not just to speak, but to persuade. It's the goal of our family and every soul in our family, no matter what part of this world God puts us in and what stage of life, that that, that God would give us one soul from every place we go where we spend significant time. 
So I tell my kids, whether in their school or schools, job or jobs, God's got at least one person in that environment for you to speak the gospel and to help them understand the gospel. As you are enabled by God to do so, it's not of you, it's of him. Friday night we had the really sweet opportunity to have dinner with one of my kid's friends. And uh, I won't embarrass the child in my home uh, by stating names or whatnot, but, uh, but this child had been reporting to me this various answers to prayer God had been giving them in relationship to having their friend come to know Jesus. And they had spoken the gospel to their friend, and it appears that God had been drawing their friend, and, and excitement was brewing because, hey, you know, maybe this is my one, Dad. You know, maybe this is my one. And so the individual came to church during the Thanksgiving service. The Thanksgiving Eve service, one portion of that service, you folks were standing and giving thanks for the people in your lives who had shared the gospel with you. Do you remember that? And a number of you had shared your salvation testimony. Well, this teenager was listening. And God convicted their heart even more through your testimonies on a Thanksgiving Eve service. So I talked to them after the service. I talked to them since. They were coming over to spend a little time this weekend at our house, and so we went out to dinner Friday night. And after some small talk and getting to know them a little bit better, a little bit more about their family, uh, I said, it really seems that you're, you're interested in who Jesus Christ is. And they said, yeah, you know, Mr. Potter, it seems like, like God's drawing me through this, 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 and this. Isn't it interesting when the Spirit of God really is working, when people talk that are being drawn, you could tell it's a God thing, right? I said, can I, can, I, can I help you understand a little bit more? You've heard it. Can I help you understand it? I said, yeah. All right, this is going to be really cheesy, but here we go. All right, we have a bunch of glasses on the table. And uh, we, had a, we had a Diet Coke glass here, and we had two glasses of water, among other things. So I just thought, okay, Lord, help, help me help this teenager understand the gospel. I said, okay, God and man used to be like these two glasses of the water. Both were sinless. God is infinite, man is finite, but both sinless. And then... This old Diet Coke came into the world. <laughs> right? Right? It's a little darker, right? I said, so, so sin came into the world. And I'm trying to think the world, wordless book that I was taught as a kid, right? My heart was black with sin until the Savior came in. His precious blood, I know, has washed me white as snow. All right? You get this? That's where I'm going. So... I said, so I put the Diet Coke in between the two glasses of water. And I said, what do you see? And they said, separation. I said, that's right. So over in the, my peripheral vision is a red bottle of ketchup. Uh -huh. 
So I brought the red bottle of ketchup over, and I said, this represents the blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you on the cross. You understand that? Oh, yeah. He died. I said, well, why did he have to die? Well, because we're sinners. That's right. I said, and through Jesus Christ is the only way that these two glasses of water, you, separated from God, can be brought back together. Do you understand that? Yes. I understand. I understand. All glory goes to God for strengthening each other in the gospel, for the ability to speak it, and for the ability to understand it. And I ask you this question, when is the last time you helped someone understand the gospel? You've gone beyond just handing a tract or speaking its truth to a friend. You've created an opportunity by the grace of God to be in their presence in meaningful personal relationship to say, may I help you understand? I hope you understand. <clears throat> the text goes on to say, it's not just been revealed and manifested, intellectually known, but we need to help people understand it. No longer a mystery, but clarity. It says here next, according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all the nations. God is able to strengthen us in the gospel. God is able to help us speak the gospel as it was spoken to us. God is able to help us understand the gospel as, as he helps us help others understand the gospel. But he says here, God gets the glory when this gospel is sent when it's sent, when this gospel has hands and feet. It says here, according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all nations. The crossroads of your Bible, it's very clear according to the context that the commandment of God here is the Great Commission. Go ye, isn't that a commandment? Go you into all the world and what? Preach. Speak it. So that it could be intellectually known. So that it could be understood by the heart. Teaching all nations whatever I have commanded you. It's right here. The commandment has influenced the nations. So this gospel is a strengthening agent for sure. It's intellectually discerned. It's volitionally accepted by the heart. And now it's actively sent. All glory goes to God. If there's one thing that Satan loves, two things Satan loves to do in his existence, he loves to keep people from comprehending and owning and after they have comprehended and own it, if he can keep people from being a sending agent, if he can keep people from being aids to the dissemination of the gospel according to Acts 1.8 and the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, my goodness, he'll do it! 
gospel. He'll hate it through religion by adding to Jesus Christ. He'll hate it through trying to persecute you from being an agent of hands and feet, let alone someone who's helping someone discern it and own it. If he can keep Grace Church of Mentor from being an organization that's spirit-governed and word-saturated enough where it can cripple, where he can cripple our efforts to reach Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and uttermost parts of the world, that's his goal. His goal is to cripple us. Why? Because he wants no glory going to God. What does Paul say? Now unto him who is able, the only singular, infinitely wise God, through Jesus Christ, Satan hates those words. He hates those words. His whole separation from God was because he wanted self-glory. Paul says here, all glory goes to God because someone was sent to you and God now has enabled you to be sent to someone individually and then collectively as a church. Ben prayed for the Acts 1-8 Christmas offering, right? That wasn't a prayer as he stated for assets to come in That was a prayer that God would enable your heart to be convicted, to give to something eternally valuable, something much bigger than yourselves, something bigger than anything you probably gave to on Giving Tuesday. Something to give to that is infinite in its value so the gospel can be sent. So that all the nations may hear. And so I ask you, have you helped the gospel be sent? And if so, how? Notice the layers here, friends. Have you strengthened someone in the gospel in this church? Have you helped someone understand it? Have you helped someone own it? And then it doesn't stop there. The assumption is here if we're strengthening each other and we're declaring it and we're helping others understand it, that there's also something else we're going to do by the enablement of God unto his glory is what? Let's send it individually and collectively because that's why we're here anyway, right? Okay. That's why we're here anyway, right? That's almost a third. I know it's so hard, folks, even for my own heart. We get sewn into the fabric of temporal existence. It is an exercise. It is a a tough exercise in spiritual growth to daily bring ourselves to the understanding that we're here for eternal purposes and everything we do is to bring glory to God. Through Jesus Christ. 
Everything we do, we do for gospel purposes. Are you willing to be sent? So many of you are such an encouragement to us as pastors because when we ask for testimonies of who's gone out, who's been willing to be sent to be gospel bearers, right, to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, it doesn't take but a split second for someone to quickly raise their hand and testify. And, and those testimonies can go on for hours here. Praise God for that. But often throughout the course of the year, we have the opportunity to help others be sent in church planting and foreign missions. All glory and enablement goes to God. Enablement comes from God. All glory goes to God for even the opportunity to send. We've recently had two more missionaries come off the field they're retired, but it's always wonderful to, to hear the testimonies of these sweet saints who are coming off the field. I'm coming off from Italy, right? I'm coming home from Spain, but I'm not done. I'm not done. I want a post-field ministry description. I want to keep being a sent one. Well, my friends, that should, that's all of our heart's desires, right? It's not just the foreign missionaries' desires. That's all of our hearts. Lord, send me into my Jerusalem. Let me win one in my context. Help me, Lord, at Grace Church of Mender. Send others to plant and send others to go. God enables. All glory goes to God. But he says here the gospel is also lived in our daily lives. The next phrase says here, leading to obedience of faith. Leading to obedience of faith. Go, go over with me a couple pages to Colossians chapter 4 real quick as we wrap up this morning. Sometimes when I get loud, sometimes people say that I sound mean. I hope I don't sound mean this morning. I just, I just kind of get excited about this. And I'll tell you what, folks. You know, I was told in seminary and I read a book and I've told you guys this before, don't ever use sports illustrations on Sunday mornings because a lot of ladies really don't care. <laughs> but I got to use this because we're in football season, right? Right? Does anyone not know what football is? Just one. Okay, we're good. You got an offensive line and a defensive line, right? The offensive line, what's their goal? To protect the quarterback and open up a hole for the running back. The defensive line is to what? Kill both, <laughs> right? Relatively speaking, right? And they always say the game's won in the trenches. Whoever has the better line, O-line and D-line, is probably going to win the game. But all day long, or all game long, the struggle's in the trenches. But who rarely gets the credit at the end of the day? The quarterback always gets the MVP, right? The line never gets the credit, but you know what? They really don't care. They just want to wage the battle in the trenches. And there's push and shove and grunt, and push and shove and tear, and push and shove and bruising. 
and breaks and tears all in the trenches. You know why I get passionate about this? It's the conclusion of the book, yes. But all glory goes to God, for sure, through us, in Jesus Christ. Through the way the gospel influences this way. And my friends, you're the ones in the trenches. The battle wages hot there. If Satan can stop us there, he's won. He's won. No! No! Push! Enabled by God, push! Yes, I'm a competitor. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just why I'm here or any pastor here. It's why you're here on this earth. Push! Enabled by God to be eternally significant. And one way we do that is by living the gospel as light in a dark world. What does Paul say here? It would be a tremendous answer to his prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, if we would do what in verse 5? Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, that you will know how you should respond to each person. And he's not speaking to pastors anywhere in these four chapters of this letter. He's speaking to you, teenager, career, college, single parent, Every soul, he's speaking to you. God, in Christ, enables you to live in obedience to the faith. Conduct yourselves among those who are on the outside. Why? Because we have no gospel to share if we have a gospel that's not changed our lives. They've got to see the change that only grace can bring. In Jesus Christ. I could have all of you stand up in the context of the next 10 minutes before we close and ask you what was one thing that the grace of God changed in your life the moment you were born again? And some would say, you know, pastor, I still struggle with my temper, but I don't lose it half as often as I used to. Only God's grace could do that. Pastor, I might be tempted to swear sometimes, but God took my cussing away. Pastor, I used to be addicted to this substance or that substance, but that substance doesn't govern me at all anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm not even a user. Pastor, this kind of music used to just dominate my life and it's dark influence in my life. I just didn't hear it. I owned it and I lived it. And you know what? When God's grace overwhelmed me, he even took that music away. I used to beat my wife. God took that away. Some of you might say, I used to beat my husband. Seen that? God took it away. 
I used to cuss my mom out underneath my breath when she ticked me off. And wow, I don't do that anymore. I used to embezzle money at work. Got that right. Paid that back. I remember a little girl that got saved here years ago. She was 14 years old, and the night she got saved, in tears, she lifted up her eyes, she looked at me, and she said, Pastor Tim, I have been stealing since I was five years old. And back then, it was the old medic drugstore right up here in the corner. She lifted her head. The first thing she said, she said, I've got to go to that medic drugstore and apologize to the manager. First thing. Young teenager. And you know what? I feel like I've got to pay him back for everything I've stolen. And I said, well, how are you going to value that if you've been stealing for so long? She said, I don't know. I just got to go talk to the manager. I'm willing to work as long as they think I should to get it all paid back. Where does that come from? That's eternal grace. That's a gospel that really was the gospel. And God enabled her not just to hear, discern, understand, own but to be sent and to be obedient, to live it out. In nanoseconds, God enabled. All glory goes to God. Amen. Amen? Amen? You all have your own stories. And by the way, if you don't have a gospel story, you don't have a gospel. If you know it and you are not living it, You've never understood it. Can you remember that and write that down? If you know it and you're not living it, you've never understood it. You've never volitionally repented from your sin and placed yourself under the lordship of Christ and Christ alone. And you're lost. You're lost. Are you living the gospel? Are you conducting yourselves with wisdom towards the outsiders? Can they tell by what you listen to, how you speak, what you watch, where you go, what you do, that there is a distinct difference in who you are because you've been enabled by God? You're different by grace. So, I ask this question. Have you lived or are you living the gospel before someone right now? Do they even know by the content of your character and the way you live that you're different? That you've been changed by grace? So if you desire to know what it means to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, well, here you have it. It is His glory for the gospel to strengthen, for the gospel to be understood, for the gospel to be preached, for the gospel to be spent, sent and spread, and the gospel to be lived. If your life is consumed with these realities, then others will sing glory to God 
on your behalf in eternity because of your testimony now. If whatever God has skilled your hands to do can be done for this motivation, then all glory goes to God. If every motivation of your life would be to glorify God by living with gospel motivation, then, then all glory goes to God, for he's enabled that. The gospel begins with God. It's lived through you and finishes with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The simplicity of a singular goal, living and giving your life to something bigger than yourself, something inherently and infinitely valuable, something exclusive and eternal is worth it. A book was written a few years ago and a quote in this particular book that many of you have read said, desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. Don't coast through life without this kind of a passion. Have you strengthened someone in the gospel or are you strengthening someone in the gospel in a disciple-making relationship? Have you helped recently someone understand and intellectually understand and discern the gospel? Have you spoken the gospel to someone? Have you helped them understand it? Are you supporting the reality of the gospel being sent to the nations through your local church? In support of its extensive plans to do so. Starting in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, then at our most parts. And are you living gospel character right here in our own town? Do people know that you're a child of God, a child of His grace? If you can answer each one of those questions in the affirmative, then my friends, you're glorifying God. I've always wanted to know, what does it mean to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? The answers and the questions that I've just asked according to these phrases. And my friends, this morning, you either are or you're not. But it's never too late to do right. Let's bow our heads in prayer.